Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 40 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes, mature language and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. A teacher and a schoolboy were found bruised and bloody in a brutal attack. Detectives must unpick a problematic personal life to gather evidence. Just before 9pm on Sunday, November 15th, 2020, Brian and Barbara Lee were watching television together at home in the Northumberland village of Linton when they heard frantic knocking at their front door. The man outside asked Brian if Barbara was home. Something had happened at the house next door. The request specifically for Barbara was made because she was a nurse. Sensing the call was urgent, Barbara sprang to her feet and ran from the house in her slippers and pyjamas. As she did so, the man said, I've done something, and she's in a bad way. When Barbara Lee reached her neighbour's property, she found that the front door was already open. She saw what appeared to be clumps of hair and blood smeared on the walls. Barbara then spotted her neighbour Caroline Kale lying face down. Her clothing was ripped, her legwear had been pulled down to her knees, and she was drenched in blood. Barbara initially tried to rouse Caroline, but her neighbour was not breathing. As Barbara hastily dialed 999, she saw that there was someone else in the home, a teenager who was bleeding from injuries to his face and back. The boy fell to the floor. He managed to pick himself up, then went outside and began to vomit blood. 
Barbara attempted to perform CPR on Caroline while the first responders were on their way. But as she gave her neighbour mouth to mouth, she noticed a strong smell and her throat began to burn. Next to Caroline's body, Barbara noticed an empty bottle of washing up liquid. Bubbles were still forming on top of it, and the clear liquid inside looked precisely like the fluid that covered Caroline's face and body. By the time the police and paramedics arrived, the man who had alerted Barbara Lee and her husband to the horrific scene had vanished. Barbara had been too preoccupied attending to Caroline to immediately register where he went. The teenager told the police that he had been stabbed in the head, arms, legs, chest and back. Caroline Kale was in a critical condition. Aside from apparent knife wounds on her buttocks, she had also sustained multiple facial and head injuries. Her heart had stopped beating, so CPR was performed to keep blood circulating around her body. Oxygen and adrenaline were administered at the scene before an air ambulance arrived to rush her to Royal Victoria Infirmary in Newcastle. Barbara Lee was able to inform officers who they should be looking for. She knew him. The suspect was Caroline's ex-partner, Paul Robson. Caroline Kale's home was cordoned off as forensic examiners began to process the scene. The inside of the property was an upsetting sight, even for an experienced scene of crime officer. Clumps of hair were discovered around the area where Caroline had been lying. There was a trail of blood leading from an upstairs bedroom, down the stairs and into the kitchen. Investigators immediately began to try and locate their main suspect, Paul Robson, but he was long gone. Officers descended on a property on Stanley Street in Wall's End, where Paul Robson was listed as living. An armed response unit surrounded the home before breaking down the door and storming inside in an unsuccessful attempt to locate the alleged assailant. After days without any positive sightings of Robson, it was announced that Caroline Kale had succumbed to her injuries, which escalated the case to an active homicide inquiry. Superintendent Paul Milner with the Northumbria Police issued a public appeal for information regarding the whereabouts of the 49-year-old suspect. Robson stood around 5 feet 5 inches tall with a muscular build. He was bold and wore glasses. Superintendent Milner said, This has been a complex investigation that has seen officers carrying out inquiries across the region this week. We know that it has caused a great deal of concern, particularly the fact that a suspect in this case has not yet been arrested. I want to reassure you that this is being treated as an isolated incident, and there is no information that suggests Paul Robson is a danger to the wider public. Extensive inquiries to locate Paul have continued in recent days, and we are now appealing for help from the public to locate him. We would stress that this is a live murder investigation and an incredibly difficult time for Caroline's family and the teenage boy injured in the attack. We would urge people not to speculate on any of the circumstances as it could hinder our investigation. Anyone who has information that could assist our investigation or knows the location of the suspect is asked to get in touch immediately. The Northumbria Constabulary worked in tandem with officers from Glasgow, where Robson had ties. Greater Glasgow's Divisional Commander Chief Superintendent Mark Sutherland also tried to reassure the public that whilst Robson was wanted for a violent crime, 
they were confident he would not attack anyone else. After arriving at the hospital in an unresponsive condition, Caroline Kale underwent a CT scan which showed the extent of her injuries. Neurosurgeons at the hospital knew there was nothing that could be done for the 47-year-old, and she was pronounced brain-dead. She passed away two days after the attack. A post-mortem was performed by Dr. Nigel Cooper on November 19th, 2020. Caroline had sustained a catastrophic brain injury, a large number of fractures to her head and facial bones, and suffered multiple broken ribs. Her hair had been shorn off on the top of her head. She suffered extensive bruising, grazes and abrasions to her neck, ears, eyes, nose, forehead and the side of her face. She had also sustained blunt force injuries to her arms, shoulders, hands, thighs, calves, ankles and feet. Caroline had been so severely injured that she had heavy bruising on her tongue. She had two cuts to her buttocks. One was eight centimetres long and two centimetres deep. The other was 17 centimetres long. Although the rib fractures could be attributed to resuscitative efforts, the broken eye sockets, broken cheekbones, broken nasal bones and broken jaw could not. Caroline Kale had severe brain damage, which extended to the nerve fibres. It was believed she had been beaten to death with such ferocity that her brain had twisted inside of her skull. The 15-year-old she was found with at her home had sustained severe injuries, but he was in a stable condition. His identity could not be made public for legal reasons. An estimated total of 45 injuries to his body were recorded, which included 19 wounds from a sharp instrument. One significant injury to his face was thought to have been inflicted with a meat cleaver. Puncture wounds to his back and several blunt force and bite marks were also found. The young male also had injuries to his hands, which were likely to have been caused when he was shielding himself from a knife. The violent attack shook the community. Caroline Kale was a much-loved teacher at Atkinson House Secondary School, an educational institution designated for students with social, emotional and mental health issues. The Chronicle Live published tributes paid on their website and social media pages, which included comments such as, My son's English teacher. Needless to say, he's devastated. And, Such a tragedy. Caroline was an amazing lady. The 15-year-old who was attacked gave a statement to the police in which he described what happened. The schoolboy said that he could hear someone knocking on the door at the back of the house and shortly after a man came upstairs to the bedroom and pinned him to the bed on his stomach. The teenager stated that the attacker had, quote, scissors or something, and began to stab him in the back as the victim was held down by his shoulders. The man warned the boy not to move while he went downstairs, before returning with a, quote, bigger blade. The 15-year-old described grabbing the weapon during the struggle, which caused a cut to his hand. The assailant then dragged him downstairs. The teenager saw Caroline on the floor. He stumbled to a tap to try and wash the blood that was pouring from his face and hands. He said he was standing by the sink when the man began to cut off Caroline's hair. The teenager looked away as the assault continued. Then the man took a meat cleaver from a drawer and hit the 15-year-old in the head with it twice, causing dizziness and disorientation. As the young victim struggled to remain conscious... The attacker retrieved a garden hose, 
and sprayed Caroline's face with water before squirting a liquid at both the teenager and Caroline. The 15-year-old recalled a pungent smell. He said that he did not recognise the man but described him as, quote, baldy, and explained that after the attacker had taken both his and Caroline's phones, the man alerted a neighbour and then fled the scene. Officers compiled CCTV evidence to track Paul Robson's movements before and after the attack. He was recorded purchasing two bottles of ammonia and tools, including a wrench, pliers and screwdrivers at a home-based store in Glasgow on the afternoon of the attack. Then he was seen at a petrol station between Glasgow and the northeast of England. Automatic number plate recognition and speed cameras also tracked his journey. The area where Caroline Kale lived was covered by many surveillance cameras. Robson was seen arriving on the street just after 8pm. At approximately 8.20pm he entered through the back gate of the property. This coincided with witness reports of hearing a woman shouting, Get out of here. Almost 25 minutes later, Robson was captured on surveillance footage leaving through the front door of the residence. Within minutes, he headed back to his Ford Fiesta van and drove away from the scene at speed. Knowing that Robson had both Caroline and the 15-year-old boy's mobile phones meant that investigators could track the location of the devices. The teenager's phone pinged off a tower north of Carlisle, allowing the detectives hunting Robson to narrow down their search area. His vehicle was found in Glasgow on November 19th. Blood was evident on the steering wheel, the driver's side door panel and the accelerator pedal. As they began to close in on the suspected killer, police arrested a 58-year-old on suspicion of assisting an offender. The alleged accomplice was subsequently released under investigation. After six days of evading arrest, the police finally apprehended Paul Robson near Glasgow and took him into custody. Paul, you, you can't have your... your Get them, mate. You can't have them. You can't. I don't think I'm some fucking... I've been here before. You can't. Paul, we're seizing them. That's the problem. We're going to get... You're a f***. Well, we're... You're allowed to them. If you break them, I'm going to In the holding cell, Robson fumed at officers because his glasses had been seized as evidence. He claimed he could not see without them. Why? Because they've been seized. And? It's evidential purposes for the coffee back here for simple. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 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 i so you tell me. Uh, we're here to look after you. Right. I'm not being looked after. Well, you have been. Yeah. Paul Robson was told he had been arrested on suspicion of murder and attempted murder before being taken for questioning. And then I asked them, so I start this Listen, I can't know these better than you. I'll get nowhere. Come on, get them on. I'll see how's here. Just to the rear, mate. Thank you very much. Robson had prepared a statement delivered to the police by his solicitor. It read, When I heard about Caroline's death, I intended to arrange to surrender to the police. I'm emotionally spent. I'm finding it difficult to concentrate, and my head is all over the place. I never intended to kill anyone. I can't believe she's dead. I can't believe she's gone. The whole thing is like a nightmare, a bad dream. 
I can't believe the situation. I can't believe she's not here. I'm so tired and devastated. I recall going to her house. She let me in and we were arguing. I was hit from behind on my head and back. Then I fell forward. I recall feeling something around my throat. I was feeling all sorts of emotions. I remember being dazed and feeling scared. I just felt everything was unravelling. When I learned Caroline was dead, I contacted my solicitor. I feel broken. My solicitor has arranged for me to be assessed by a psychiatrist. I hope to be assessed to make sense of what happened here. In all the circumstances, I'm not in a position to sensibly answer any questions. Paul Robson was interviewed for over two hours. His only replies were either no comment or silence. Paul Robson was brought before the court for multiple hearings on November 23rd and 25th. Judge Paul Sloan remanded Robson into custody. No application for bail was made, and further hearings were set for later in the year. Robson's lawyer Kashif Khan told the court that his client intended to deny any specific intent and any unlawful actions. Robson was familiar with the court process as he had over 90 prior convictions. For almost three decades, Paul Robson had been in and out of prison for a range of crimes. In 1993, he was convicted of aggravated burglary. Five years later, he received a two-year sentence for possessing ammunition. In the early 2000s, he was convicted of conspiracy to commit burglary, grievous bodily harm, and possession with intent to supply. The GBH conviction stemmed from an assault he committed on an 18-year-old female who required extensive reconstructive surgery to her jaw. In May 2014, Robson was sentenced to 10 years in prison for possession with intent to supply and possession of a prohibited weapon. Police recovered heroin and a taser. Robson was released on licence in 2018. Paul Robson had first met Caroline Kale in 2005 when he was serving a four-year sentence for drug possession. Caroline was working in the education section of HMP Northumberland and had been for a number of years. It was in this same prison where Caroline had met her husband Ian, who worked as a security manager. When Robson began attending classes, he developed a rapport with Caroline, which quickly grew into something more. While he was behind bars and she was working for the prison system, Robson and Caroline started a short-lived and illegal affair. When his sentence ended, so did the relationship. Caroline's husband was unaware of what was going on. Robson did not see Caroline again until almost a decade later, when he was transferred to HMP Northumberland. The illicit affair began once more and continued after his release in 2018. Caroline ended her marriage in early 2019 and moved to the village of Cresswell before she purchased a property in Linton. Robson and Caroline lived together, keeping their relationship a secret, not only because it was inappropriate, but because Robson had breached the terms of his license and there was a warrant out recalling him to prison. Caroline changed jobs, leaving HMP Northumberland to begin working as an English teacher at Atkinson Secondary School. The relationship broke down a few months before the murder, 
when Robson found text messages between Caroline and another individual. The correspondence between this new person in Caroline's life seemed serious, as she told the recipient she loved them. To complicate matters, it was clear she was committing a crime. The person Caroline was sending explicit messages to was 15 years old. Investigators pieced together the timeline of events leading up to the brutal assaults committed in Caroline Kale's home. In late October, Caroline told her friend Neil Welsh that someone had broken into her home and stolen jewellery. She changed the locks as a result. She also confided in Neil that Paul Robson had been blackmailing her and threatened to tell everyone that she was having a relationship with a teenager. Caroline then claimed that the individual was 18 years old, and she told anyone else who asked that he was her godson. Beginning on November 1st, 2020, Caroline transferred large sums of money to Robson's bank account. She even took out a £10,000 loan. Over the course of 10 days, she sent almost £30,000 to Robson, draining her savings account and leaving her with a £10,000 debt. The day after the last sum was sent, Robson purchased a locksmith bar from Amazon. Three days earlier online, he had procured a magnetic GPS tracker. On November 13th, Robson sent messages to Barbara and Brian Lee, Caroline's next-door neighbours. He told them that Caroline had been sleeping with a 15-year-old and he had taken screenshots to prove it. He also wrote something akin to, She had him in the house. I'm going to ruin her. On the day of the attacks, Robson borrowed a friend's vehicle and drove to Linton. CCTV evidence showed him parking the van away from Caroline's home and walking to the back gate. Judging by Caroline's injuries, it was surmised that she had been attacked almost immediately, suffering repeated blows and kicks with heavy footwear. A schoolboy's recollection of events was consistent with the forensic evidence found at the scene. However, in February 2021, Paul Robson submitted his own version of events. Robson alleged that he went to the village of Linton to collect some tools he had left behind, and he did not intend to speak with Caroline at all. He said that she had opened the back door and walked into the house, which he believed was an invitation for him to step inside. Robson claimed that as he was speaking to Caroline, he was struck over the head with something before he felt gloved hands around his neck. He said he lost consciousness, and when Robson came to, he saw the teenager standing over Caroline's bloody body. Robson alleged that he chased the 15-year-old upstairs, The schoolboy was allegedly in a rage and shouted that Caroline was a liar as he hurled abusive language before lunging at Robson with a knife. Robson claimed that the teenager had injured his hand when it slipped down the hilt onto the blade. Robson said he was eventually able to disarm his attacker, but a struggle ensued and the teenager attempted to stab him in the face with a pair of scissors. After wrestling the sharp implements from the youth's hands, Robson said he dragged him downstairs and told him to sit still so he could help Caroline who was unconscious on the floor. Robson professed that he attempted mouth-to-mouth resuscitative efforts, but Caroline's mouth was full of blood. He got a hosepipe to try and wash away the clumps of hair and blood around her face. Robson then claimed that the schoolboy came at him again with a meat cleaver. 
but for a second time he managed to disarm the supposed attacker. Robson did agree that he struck the youth with a meat cleaver a number of times, but it was, in his opinion, self-defence. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at scentair.com. The trial began in March 2021. Nicholas Lumley QC representing the Crown delivered his opening statement to the jury. He detailed the crimes Paul Robson was accused of. Blackmail, murder and attempted murder. Lumley said that Robson had caused Caroline Kale such devastating injuries that her life could not be saved. The defendant also carried out a violent assault on a 15-year-old boy who was in the house at the time. The prosecutor described how Caroline Ann Robson's involvement was a little unusual. Lumley said theirs was a clandestine relationship, which continued until the autumn of 2020. After this, Robson moved out and Caroline continued to engage in sexual activity with a 15-year-old, someone who was not old enough to offer their consent. The prosecutor remarked, That may be an affront to the morals of many, and indeed it is contrary to the laws of the UK for an adult to be in such a relationship. 
but of even greater importance is that the defendant somehow found out about it, and he did not take it very well. So Paul Robson, in addition to having a reason to be angry, had a hold over Caroline. He knew things about her. Nicholas Lumley QC went on to detail the alleged blackmail. He told the court that when Caroline stopped sending money, Paul Robson decided to go to her house. The prosecutor revealed that Robson was a former cage fighter and had practiced mixed martial arts. He was a well-built, powerful man, Lumley said. He was wearing those heavy boots and of course he knew where the kitchen was where weapons could be picked up. The Crown argued that Robson had taken both victims' phones to prevent them from calling for help, but also to pry on what digital contact they had with each other. That night, Caroline's Facebook account was accessed by Robson. Barbara Lee, who had gone to Caroline's aid on the evening of the murder, testified that Caroline's Facebook profile was updated later that night. Screenshots were posted in reference to her, quote, illegal relationship with the teenager. Robson also sent messages to Caroline's friends and family telling them what she had done. Barbara Lee said that she saw the youth in the house that night as she was helping Caroline. The 15-year-old was only wearing socks, and appeared anxious and in shock. While Caroline was in intensive care the day after the attack, Robson used her email account to contact her ex-husband and sent him screenshots of the messages she had sent to the teenager. The electronic correspondence contained the words, Still having naughty thoughts about you. Robson wrote in his email to Caroline's former husband, He's 15 years old, and she sends that. Ian Cale would explain that he did not know what the messages were about at the time, and said it was chilling when he received them. Ian later testified that he had heard rumours that Caroline was having an affair with a former inmate, but she adamantly denied it when he confronted her. Text messages between Caroline and the 15-year-old boy were read to the jury. On one occasion after Caroline had gone for a walk with a male friend, she argued with the teenager as he was unhappy with who she was spending time with. Caroline told him that if she had anything to hide, she would not provide him with access to her phone, adding, "'It's you I want.'" When the schoolboy called her a liar, she replied, I'm not lying. I'm not. Don't do this. I know you're annoyed. I've got male friends, but that's all they are. I've told you how I feel about you. It's only you. You know that. Caroline then told him she loved him. The teenager, who was found in a state of shock after suffering horrific injuries that November evening, addressed the jury. From the stand, he reiterated the account he had provided in his statement before he was cross-examined by the defence counsel. Paul Robson's barrister James Mulholland QC asked the teenager why he had not told the police he was in a quote physical relationship with Caroline Kale until months after the attack. The witness replied that he was not asked. He said he had stayed at Caroline's house four nights a week, although did not consider her a girlfriend. The teenager denied having sex with Caroline before the attack and refuted the accusation that he had argued with her or tied her hands together with a scarf. Robson's barrister then accused the traumatised witness of being the attacker. Describing what he thought had happened to his client but not naming Robson directly, Mulholland said, The man's back was to you, and you went over to the man and hit him on the back of the head. 
You then try to strangle the man with both hands around his neck. You then attack Caroline. You cut Caroline's hair. After you attack Caroline and cut her hair, you run upstairs and the man went after you. There was a fight upstairs in which you attacked the man with a knife and scissors. After that fight, the man brought you downstairs and put you in the kitchen. In the kitchen, you picked up a cleaver and assaulted the man with the cleaver. The man went out into the garden. You went over to Caroline and dragged her body toward the sitting room. You dragged her by her tracksuit bottoms or pants. You had hold of her clothing around the middle. You cut her bare buttocks with a sharp object. The man came back in and a fight between you took place in the kitchen. I suggest that downstairs you had the cleaver and attacked the man with it. The man managed to get the cleaver off you. This accepted the man then hit you a number of times with the cleaver then left. The teenager emphatically denied the barrister's version of the events and said he did not hurt Caroline Kale. The jury were then read more exchanges between Caroline and the schoolboy made before the attack, in which they continued to argue. Caroline pleaded with the teenager to believe that she was just meeting a friend and that her heart was breaking because she loved the 15-year-old and only wanted to be with him. She asked if she could prove it to him and if he would meet her for 10 minutes. Later on that day, the 15-year-old told her to love someone else, and she replied, I want to be with you, no one else. I worship you, you know I do. Caroline and the teenager were seen entering her home just before 7pm, an hour before Robson arrived in the area. Dr. Nigel Cooper, who performed the autopsy on Caroline Kale's body, testified about her injuries. Dr. Cooper had sent Caroline's brain to a neuropathologist. After an examination, the specialist produced a report that Dr. Cooper referred to during his testimony. The neuropathologist said severe force had been applied to Caroline's head including an action causing a violent rotational movement. Her brain had twisted, causing fibre damage. The neuropathologist said that the injury could have been caused by a very heavy fall or a very heavy blow from a fist, but kicking or stamping provided a more ready explanation in an assault situation. Dr. Cooper said there were several blunt impact injuries to Caroline's head and face. He explained that while punches do not usually cause abrasions to be seen, kicks did. The doctor told the court, kicking is also more likely to fracture bones because the force involved is usually greater. I can't be sure, but I would say it's likely some impacts to the face were in the form of kicks. Stamping would be an alternative explanation. Sometimes stamping leaves pattern marks corresponding to the sole of the shoes or boots. There was nothing like that here, but that depends on the footwear. But stamping is another possibility. Dr. Cooper described how Caroline Kale's death was due to a lack of blood and oxygen caused by blunt force trauma to the head. The expert witness was asked if the injuries inflicted to both Caroline and the teenager were consistent with Robson's version of events. Dr. Cooper said that the victim usually has worse injuries than the assailant. There was an enormous discrepancy in the number of injuries between Robson and the boy, which were consistent with Robson being the attacker. Two days after Caroline Kale died from her injuries, the police recovered the van Paul Robson was seen driving. 
Blood evidence found on the accelerator and steering wheel indicated that his hands and footwear were soaked with blood when he left the scene. Paul Robson addressed the court. He spoke about his childhood and his criminal history. Robson candidly described his relationship with Caroline Kale, which began while he was serving a prison sentence in 2005. He said they would see each other every day while Caroline was working as a prison officer. When she found employment in the education unit, she told him she had feelings for him. Robson testified, I was a bit taken aback. I did like her. She was lovely. I fancied her. But I thought dangerous ground, a prison officer. I was not too keen to stick my neck through the noose, to tell you the truth. Robson said that when he got out of prison, Caroline went, quote, cold on him and they did not see each other until he was sent to prison again years later. He described how Caroline would arrange for him to go to the education unit so they could see each other, and a sexual relationship began again. Robson told the court, It was wrong because we were in prison and we couldn't relax, but I liked her. She was married to the security manager in the same prison. I don't think he had a clue. Robson stated that after his release in late 2018, he intended to move to Scotland, but Caroline told him she had been diagnosed with cancer, so he stayed to support her because he loved her. Caroline was still working at the prison for a time, and they had to keep the relationship a secret. They began to argue, and when Robson borrowed an old phone in late October, he discovered that Caroline had been, quote, having sex with a teenager. What occurred was often referred to during the trial as having sex, but legally this was not the case. The 15-year-old was not old enough to offer his consent. Robson said that he was heartbroken and felt betrayed even when Caroline told him that it was just physical. Robson said that he took his belongings and left, but he could not find £22,000 he had allegedly stashed under the bed. He denied blackmailing Caroline about engaging in sexual activity with a schoolboy and claimed that she was transferring money back to him that she had taken. When confronted with the evidence such as the purchases he made, which included tracking devices, ammonia and a locksmith bar, Robson gave seemingly innocent explanations. The GPS device was for a friend's car in case it was stolen. The ammonia was for a job he was doing, as were the tools. Robson said he had made the two-hour journey to Linton because he had a job nearby and thought that while he was in the area, he could get his tools from the property before going to visit his friend and grandson. Robson reiterated his story about being attacked inside the house and waking up to see the teenager standing over Caroline. He said a bottle of ammonia he was carrying had burst in his pocket. Robson described chasing the 15-year-old upstairs. He said his heart was, quote, beating like the clappers. The defendant became emotional when he offered his version of events. He claimed that the schoolboy came out of a darkened ensuite brandishing a knife, which he used to stab Robson in the side. Robson said that the youth unsuccessfully tried to escape through a window, yelling about Caroline as he did so. Robson admitted that he had bitten his alleged attacker, but only after being attacked with a pair of scissors. Robson described how he managed to pry the scissors away and in self-defence stabbed the teenager in the back. Afterwards, he dragged the teenager downstairs and went over to Caroline. Robson testified, 
I kneeled down and her fucking hairs all over my hands. I couldn't tell what was wrong with her. She had blood in her mouth. I was feeling for injuries, but she's got none. Robson told the court how he washed away the blood and hair from Caroline's face with a garden hose and tried to resuscitate her, but she was not reacting. Then suddenly the teenager supposedly grabbed a meat cleaver from a kitchen drawer and dragged Caroline towards the living room, where he began hitting her on the lower part of her buttocks. Robson testified that he was enraged upon seeing this and hit the 15-year-old with the cleaver a number of times as he kept fighting back. Robson claimed that he only left the property because Barbara Lee had told him to. He took the mobile phones because he thought no one would believe him, and the devices contained proof of his innocence. When Paul Robson was cross-examined by the Crown Prosecutor Nicholas Lumley QC, he was accused outright of being, quote, a cold and calculating killer who cares only for himself. Lumley asked Robson if Caroline had a pretty face, and Robson answered that she had. Nicholas Lumley QC questioned the defendant why, if he believed the teenager was capable of committing such violence against Caroline, did he leave her neighbour Barbara Lee alone in the house as he fled the scene? Robson said that she had asked him to leave, and he knew Barbara's husband Brian would be on the way. The prosecutor said that Robson had taken the phones because he wanted to pry into what Caroline had been doing behind his back. Robson had also stolen Caroline's bank card, and a day after the attack he attempted to withdraw £500. When he couldn't, he transferred £4,000 into four separate bank accounts belonging to friends or family, with a message telling them to hold on to it for him. Towards the end of the prosecutor's exchange with Robson, Nicholas Lumley QC asked a series of questions, all of which Robson denied. Lumley asked, Was she crawling around on the floor dazed and desperate to get away from you? Was the damage to the wall caused by a kick or by kicking her head into the wall? There were kicks to the side of her head as she lay on the ground as if her head were a football. You didn't do that her head and brain being violently twisted causing catastrophic brain injuries. Not by you and your steel toe-cap boots. Her hands desperately trying to protect her head getting kicked and stamped on, then kicks into her pretty face. Mr. Robson, her eyes and mouth, is it coming back to you? Multiple forceful blows time and again into her face. when Paul Robson denied it all. The prosecutor asked him if it was the schoolboy that did it. By the end of his cross-examination, the prosecutor had managed to get Robson to admit that it was not self-defence when he hit the teenager across the face with a meat cleaver. Robson confessed that he thought he was defending himself at the time. In his closing arguments, Prosecutor Nicholas Lumley QC told the jury that Paul Robson may as well have held a gun to Caroline Kale when he threatened to expose her illegal relationship with a minor. Lumley said, She was a well-loved and respected teacher, but she had an Achilles heel, and Robson knew about it, so he threatened to ruin her. The prosecutor called Paul Robson a cruel and calculating coward and said it was near impossible for Caroline's injuries to have been caused by the, quote, socks of a scrawny teenager. Nicholas Lumley QC said, Those young feet did not kick Caroline to death. The prosecutor urged the jury to find Paul Robson guilty on all counts. 
Defence barrister James Mulholland QC reminded jurors that the burden of proof fell on the prosecution and said they had to be careful. They should not start from a, quote, guilty perspective, but from an innocent perspective because that's what we call justice in our country. Mulholland remarked that there were two people who could have killed Caroline, the defendant or a 15-year-old boy. Following deliberations, the jury returned with verdicts on all three counts. This included the murder of Caroline Kale, the attempted murder of a 15-year-old who had the misfortune of being at her house that night, and blackmail for extorting almost £30,000 from Caroline after threatening to expose what she had done. Robson was found guilty of every charge he faced. Speaking outside the court, Detective Inspector Graham Barr addressed the press. He described how the incident was one of the most violent offences he had ever investigated in his policing career the detective welcomed the guilty verdicts from the jury. D.I. Barr said, Paul Robson has been fueled by jealous rage and attended his former address that night with one thing on his mind. His attack on Caroline and his teenage victim was premeditated and demonstrated horrendous levels of violence. There is no doubt he wanted to kill or permanently disfigure both of his victims. He succeeded in killing his former partner and has left his teenage victim scarred for life. Not only that, but he spent the days that followed trying to avoid police before attempting to pin Caroline's murder on a vulnerable teenage boy. Those actions have put the teenage victim, his family and Caroline's family through the ordeal of a trial, and I want to praise the bravery they have shown throughout these proceedings. I know that for them, no punishment will be enough. But today's verdicts do mean that Paul Robson will be handed a life sentence. There is a very real chance he will never experience freedom again. And I hope that can bring some justice to his victims. On March 31st, Paul Robson was sentenced. Before imposing a minimum term, Mr Justice Lavender addressed Robson and said, When you found that Mrs Kale had started an inappropriate and unlawful relationship with the boy, you used the threat of exposing that relationship to make her pay you £29,000 in eight instalments between the 1st and 11th of November 2020. Then on the 15th of November 2020, you went to her home in Linton, about 20 miles north of here, and when she let you in, you grabbed her, causing bruises to her arms. She fell or was pushed to the floor, and you kicked her repeatedly in the face and head with your steel toe-capped boots, fracturing the bones in her face and causing cardiac arrest and fatal brain injuries. In effect, you used those boots as fatal weapons. Not content with that, you slashed her buttocks with a knife, and you sprayed an ammonia solution on her. You ended her life, and you brought grief and misery to the lives of others. Her ex-husband Ian Kale has said that there are absolutely no words to describe her family's feelings about her loss. You repeatedly attacked the boy first with scissors, then with a kitchen knife and finally with a meat cleaver. He sustained at least 29 injuries caused by one or other of these weapons. Some of the injuries to his hands were sustained as he tried to defend himself and to grab the blade of the knife. 
You hit him so hard on the face with the meat cleaver that you broke his maxillary sinus bone. Fortunately, you did not damage a major blood vessel, with the result that his injuries, although gruesome, were not life-threatening. You also bit him four times and sprayed the ammonia solution in his face. His mother has made a very moving statement about the profound effects of your actions on the boy and his family. He is still undergoing medical treatment, and he is understandably partially concerned by the scars to his face, which will be a constant reminder to him of his encounter with you. He has post-traumatic stress disorder. He has flashbacks, and he has difficulty sleeping as does his mother. She says that the last few months have been a living nightmare for us and have left us all in utter turmoil. None of our lives will ever be the same again. The events that took place on November 15th will haunt us forever. Less than five months have passed since you committed these awful crimes. It is to the credit of all concerned in the investigation of your offences that you have been brought to justice so swiftly. Paul Robson was told he would have to serve a minimum of 35 years in prison before being considered for parole. In August 2021, Robson was ordered to pay back the money he had obtained from Caroline Kale as a result of blackmailing her. He had around £10,000 to his name, all of which was paid to Caroline's estate. So where are we now? When it emerged that Paul Robson should have been in prison at the time of the attack, there were calls for an inquest and domestic homicide review. A representative from Northumbria Police spoke about the situation with a reporter for the Chronicle Live. They said, Paul Robson had been wanted on a prison recall when he committed these offences after he failed to attend a meeting with his probation officer. We are continuing to work alongside some of our key partners to establish if any opportunities to arrest Robson were missed and if any changes need to be made to our processes around locating wanted suspects. Those inquiries are ongoing, but we have already made positive changes to how we coordinate inquiries around locating suspects wanted across our force area. A recall notice had been issued for Paul Robson on March 1st, 2019, a year and a half before he committed the murder. At the time of writing this episode, no reviews have been completed. Thank you for listening, and a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.